Good morning. We've got a lot to get to today on Roadmap to Heaven, and I've got some thoughts I want to share with you this morning. But first and foremost, I just want to say it's great to be back with you this morning. Let's begin our day together in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A blessed morning. It's just beautiful outside weather-wise. I can't wait to hear what Mike Roberts says is in store today, but I just got to tell you, it was so pleasant walking to the car, walking from the car to the studio, seeing the sunshine off the buildings around it. I love when the weather is like this, this time of year, and it's already got me looking forward to the fall. Speaking of looking forward, here's what we have to look forward to on the show today. Chris Hebe's going to be with us to talk about evangelization. We're going to visit with Monsignor Myler once again to hear about the Blessed Mother through the course of American history. And then we've got a, a homily that we've kind of split into two parts for you this morning from Father Schumacher. And it asks a very basic question. Why was I created? And then, you know, sometimes we have to get back to those very basics. I'm going to, spoiler alert, we're going to get into a little Baltimore catechism this morning in that. And I'm, I'm greatly looking forward to sharing that with you. Why? That's really the question I want to get at. Why am I looking forward to sharing it with you? You know, I've had a lot on my mind recently, and I, I think you could say that about me since, oh, about 18 years old. I've had a lot on my mind, and I try not to uh, pontificate or or jump up on a soapbox, and I'm not going to do that here. I'm just going to share this with you. I've had a lot of conversations over the last week that have really brought to the forefront this idea that the Christian vocation, the Christian life, witnessing to our faith, evangelizing, seeking to grow in holiness, is a life that is often walking along the way of the cross, that there are going to be times we are going to suffer. And, and sometimes that suffering is persecution. Sometimes that suffering is ridicule from those who look at us and say, how could you believe that? You know, if, if nothing else, that our faith, our life of faith involves so many calls to sacrifice and self-denial in a world that constantly is saying, treat yourself. It's hard because, you know, I, I want to sit in the comfy chair and I'd like to treat myself, but I want to get to heaven even more. I've had conversations that remind me that sometimes it's suffering because even our friends and our family sometimes, they don't believe. And, and they say, how can you believe that? You know, I think you're wrong. And it'd be really easy to roll over and say, look, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to lead to any discord. I don't want to make things uncomfortable. So I'm just going to quiet down and I'm just going to not say anything that's going to trouble the waters, right? That's the temptation. But I was reminded, you know, Beth and I were talking last night, I was reminded of, and this was an atheist who said this, if you truly believe that there is a heaven and that there is a hell and that I'm at risk of going to hell, how much do you have to hate me to not warn me? You know, he, he said, if you were standing in the middle of a road and a, a big semi-truck was barreling at you and I kept saying, there's a truck coming at you, there's a truck coming at you, 
And you said, no, there's no truck. There's no truck. I mean, I would do everything I can, probably including tackling you to get you out of the road and out of the way of the truck. And so I want to start off today not downtrodden. Is it going to be hard? Is it going to be difficult? Yes. But today in particular, let's focus on the fact that we can do hard things. We can do difficult things with the grace of God. And we can't shy away from it. We are called to be beacons of light. You know, go back to the gospel. A lamp on a hill isn't put under a bushel basket. You don't do that. You don't hide a lamp under a basket. We're called to shine bright with the grace of God. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to get down to basics. And I hope that by the end of the hour together, we are going to be supercharged to go out there and witness to our faith as we go throughout the day. Now, beautiful weather is a nice consolation on a day like today. So let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather, our saint of the day. And when we come back, Chris Hebe will be with us to talk about evangelization. Today is the feast day of St. Joan of the Cross. Born in France in the mid-17th century, her baptismal name was Jean Delano, and she was the youngest of 12 children. Her father was a draper, and her mother ran a small shop that catered to pilgrims who came to visit a local shrine to the Blessed Mother known as Our Lady of Pity, with a statue of the Blessed Mother holding the body of Jesus while an angel supports his head. She grew up working in the shop and then after her mother died, running it herself. Unfortunately, Jean was known for her greed and an especially strong dislike for the poor and those begging for help. Then one day, she crossed paths with a poor widow named Francois Fauché, who predicted Jean would one day have a passion for those she so despised who were poor. After this encounter, Jean's heart did change, and she began caring for those poor she so often disliked. Eventually, she closed her business and found what came to be known as the Congregation of St. Anne of Providence, and it was then she took the name St. Joan of the Cross. She would go on to found 12 communities and several hospices and schools. She died on this day in 1736 and was canonized in 1982 by Pope St. John Paul II. St. Joan of the Cross, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. I don't know about you, but I find that whenever I am just looking to take a quick break, I like to grab something that maybe I'm not focused on, like a magazine or, you know, an article online, something like that, and just have have a little diversion from what I'm working on. And recently, I was slumming through a magazine called Clayton Parish Neighbors, and I saw two articles in there by a gentleman named Chris Hebe that caught my attention. And so I said, Chris, you got to come be on Roadmap to Heaven this morning, and we got to talk about it. And so, Chris, you're here, and it's good to have you with us. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, thank you. You know, so here's what I'm going to say right off the bat. From the two things that you published that I was reading, one was just a summary of here's the month of August, and here are all these great feast days that we have to look forward to in this month of August. And then the second was really just some thoughts on the importance of returning to Sunday Mass. And, I mean, friends, I, I have to tell you, if your parish is like mine, there are many who have come back over the past couple of years but there are some faces that I used to see that I just don't see anymore. I see them in the community, but I don't see them at Mass. And I thought, well, you know, someone should speak with them about why they need to come back. And Chris, it takes me back to an episode of The Simpsons, of all things, many, many years ago when Homer Simpson was running for sanitation commissioner under the motto, the campaign slogan, can't someone else do it? And when it comes to evangelization, the reality is no. It's all of us. It's all hands on deck right now for evangelization. You're absolutely right. And that's something that compelled me a few years ago to get more involved in my faith. And that's why um, I publish this magazine. Um, It is so important for us now to take responsibility and, and do what God really desires us to do, which is to be more faithful and to pray more and to to share our faith with others. You know, we've talked about this in the story that that hopefully we'll talk about today. You know, I've grown up in a community uh, of uh, school teachers um, from the Marianist community, uh, the Brothers of Mary. Um, A lot of us here in St. Louis recognize St. John Vianney High School, Chaminade High School, and now St. Mary's High School, which has come back uh, into the fold. Um, So I grew up in that environment of being, you know, involved in, in having responsibility um, to you know, pray and be in that in that community of faith. Um, so as of now, being a publisher of a magazine, it's really opened my eyes, specifically with our Catholic faith. That you know, over the past few years, um, there have been forces that have tried to really shut us down, and it's really aggravated me. It's frustrated me, and that's why uh, I decided to get involved. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this article. We need to get more active, and we need to let people know it's time to come back. Indeed. I was uh, recently listening to two different homilies on the importance of you and I taking on this work. Going back to the can't someone else do it? No. The, The time right now, it is urgent that every member of the faithful be able to go out there and share the faith. We've got so many forces in the world working against us, as you just said, Chris, that it is absolutely vital. Now, part of sharing the faith, though, is knowing the faith. And that's why I like these resources. And that's why I get you know a daily news roundup in my email. That's why I look at magazines, newspapers, Catholic publications, blogs, listen to great radio programs like Roadmap to Heaven here on yes, Covenant definitely. Network, um, so on and so forth, because you, you can't share that which you don't have, and you have to know. But you kind of alluded to this because I, you and I have spoken before about your community of faith. And that handing on, you know, Father has said all of these things many times. We've, we've all heard Father say it in our own individual parish. But you've had an experience where someone else said, hey, you know, I know your family's going through this right now. And I just wanted to share my experience of faith with you. And what an amazing thing that was. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I remember telling you that story. Um you know, this whole story goes back a few years. My, my wife, uh, Kathy, um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And obviously, we were shocked. Uh, she was extremely healthy, took care of herself, 
I mean, uh, she did everything to be as healthy as she could, and all of a sudden now we're we're faced with this this challenge. And it was right before the pandemic really, really started. Um, so, you know, we were able to get into, you know, uh, a doctor's care. They were able to diagnose the condition. And my wife decided, no, I'm not going to go the conventional way of, uh, of taking care of this. I'm going to treat this naturally. You know, she, she, she's been uh, a very health conscious individual for a long time. My background has been a chiropractor for over 20 plus years. I retired a few years ago. And so it just felt like the right thing to do. We were going to do it this way, her way. And so we did, and we did for two years. And she did go into remission. And thank God she did. But it came back like a vengeance a few months later. And she started noticing some issues with um, her coordination, her balance. Um, but she came back to me and she said, I'm having some issues and we need to get additional testing done. So that's what I did. We, we went out and got more tests. And unfortunately, um, the cancer had spread to her spine. And that's in 5% of breast cancer patients, the actual uh, cancer can uh, metastasize and go to the, uh, the outer linings of the spinal cord. And so, therefore, that answered the question of why she was having problems with her lower extremities. Um, and as a result, uh, as of today, she can no longer uh, walk. So it's been quite a challenge. But during that time, um, you've heard of the, the, the saying, God winks. And, you know, one of the most important things I think all of us should understand is sometimes we need to take a step back and observe because God is around us. He's in front of us every single day. And I think because of all of those external outside influences, it really keeps us from seeing a very clear picture of where God wants us to go. And that's really what happened in this particular situation is that as my wife and I were trying to deal with this diagnosis, um, she continued to work. Um, granted, she could work at home. She was a court reporter, and the legal profession flipped upside down during the pandemic, and everything now is done online. Depositions are done online. So she was able to work at home. And one particular morning, it was right, it was actually the month of July of last year, it would be 2022, that my magazine was going to print for the first time. And I was helping my wife that morning get things assembled and ready to go, so she could start her deposition early in the morning. And so we had a ritual of things we had to do in order to get her ready to go. So one of the things we were doing was I was juicing, okay, with one of those big juicers, carrots and green apples. And so I was, you know, very involved in this whole process. And lo and behold, within a few minutes, the entire machine blew up in front of me. And I said, you know, this is not going to be a good day. This is going to be a really bad day. I can, I can feel it. It's coming. And sure enough, I went to fix some coffee, and our French press completely blew up in front of me. It, uh, there was a crack in the glass, and once the hot water hit the, the glass, it just exploded all over the floor. Now I knew it was really going to be a bad day. So I turned to my wife, and I said, you know, this is not turning out to be the best morning we could ever have, and you need to get into the office to start your deposition. And she just acknowledged and said, yeah, this is going to be a difficult day. So right before I actually positioned her into the office, because she was now in a wheelchair, I received a phone call. Now, typically, I don't answer my cell phone. 
especially if I don't recognize the individual or I have the caller ID. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know who this is. But I felt compelled I needed to answer the phone because I knew that our magazine was going out to the community and maybe someone was contacting me uh, to make a comment or maybe ask to be taken off the list. Who knows? I got a phone call from this gentleman and he said very succinctly to me, is this Chris He, publisher of Clayton Parish Neighbors? I said, yes, it is. He said, well, I just want you to know that I just received your magazine, and I read it from cover to cover, and I just want to let you know what a breath of fresh air. Boy, do we need a magazine like this in our community right now. I thought to myself, man, maybe today's going to be an okay day. And so he went on to, to ask me a very simple question. Can I tell you a story? I said, sure, go right ahead. I mean, if you know, what you just told me is any indication of what this conversation may be, I think this might turn around my day. And so he went on to tell me about his father. And he told me about his father having stage four cancer, the same um, stage that my wife had been diagnosed with. And went on to tell me the story of, his, uh, of the Pope, Pope John Paul uh, II coming to St. Louis and the fact that uh, John and his mother were planning his father's funeral because he had terminal cancer. The doctor said there's nothing that could be done. And as a result, they were getting ready for his death. And so over a course of uh, I'm not sure how many weeks or months, um, John was able to receive communion from the Pope. And I think he had a conversation with him, and it all uh, surrounded, uh, I guess at the time would have been Sister Faustina and the Divine Mercy Chaplet prayer. And John simply told me, you know, Chris, the reason why I tell you this story, because I want you to understand the power of prayer. I think about that for a minute. I've never met this man. He's never met my wife. He calls me out of the blue, not because of, you know, something I directly did for him, but out of the blue, he calls me to commend me on the magazine. It's a breath of fresh air. Can I tell you a story? And then he emphasizes, I'm telling you this because of the power of prayer. Not knowing that my wife had stage four leptomeningeal metastasis is the official name that she had three to six months to live. I just want you to know the power of prayer. I thought, I, I was speechless. You talk about a God wink and a wake-up call. It was as though God was putting his arms around all of us and saying, look, it's going to be okay. I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to point in the direction of where you need to go. And at that moment, I... I started crying, and I was looking at my wife, and she just like, well, what the heck is going on here? And almost immediately, uh, John texted me the Divine Mercy Chaplet prayer. Apparently, Pope John Paul II had told John and his wife, if you need to recite this prayer every single night uh, before you go to bed. And therefore, since then, my wife and I have done that. And it has been quite an eye-opener in what has happened over the course of now almost a year. You remember three to six months to live. It is now in the 16th month, and she's still alive. And we've had some really unbelievable news. 
um, over the past couple weeks where an MRI of her low back where the cancer was now shows that there may be no cancer there anymore. There's still some other issues that are going on with my wife's health that we have to figure out, but that's an amazing, you know, an amazing uh, acknowledgement, you know, hey, okay, God, maybe some, maybe you are doing something here. And so it, it's, it's just an unbelievable story. It really is. And it's just continuing to unfold. And it brings back the whole concept of, you know, what are you doing personally to have a relationship with our Lord and Savior? And that's why I wrote the article. It's like, you know what? A couple years ago, I was so frustrated. I'd go to, I'd go to Sunday Mass. There'd, there'd be hardly anyone there. And, you know, being introduced to other people along the way has demonstrated to me that, you know, God works in mysterious ways, and God is always there right in front of us. It's just a matter of us taking the initiative to get involved. Can you imagine what your life would be like if that gentleman would have said, you know what, it's kind of awkward to make a phone call. This guy doesn't know me. You know, why, why should I contact him? I don't want to kind of weird him out or, or creep him out at all and just said, forget about it. I, I'm just not going to call him. How different your life would be. I mean, I imagine you are incredibly grateful that he went out there on a limb and said, I'm going to call this guy. Oh, I, I look back on it now, and I, I know it was meant to be. And I'm extremely grateful. Um, unbelievable what has happened since then. You know, I... I attend Little Flower, the Catholic Church over in Richmond Heights, and I did not know that John Sr. and his wife are members of that of our parish. Matter of fact, they would sit across the church from where I sat at 1030 Mass. Never met them. I actually went to another event at our church. This, is, this story gets very interesting. After he had called us, and, and probably a few months later, um, there was a very interesting uh, conference that was going to be held at our church. It was on uh, Eucharistic miracles. And I was very intrigued by that whole idea and concept. I, I did not know much about that, but I felt compelled I wanted to go because I saw the importance of, number one, getting back to church, and then also recognizes the importance of the Eucharist. And so I went to this conference and, you know, they have in our church, we had all these placards, these big posters all around the outside of the, the church. And they were the stories, the testimonials from all over the world about these Eucharistic miracles. And I kept thinking, well, is there something here that may be of importance to our situation? And as I walked into the church, who greeted me but Mrs. Lally Sr.? I'd never met her, and she came and gave me a hug, and she asked how my wife Kathy was doing. And then she very quickly said, Mr. Lally and I would like you to come to our home. We would like to have a conversation with you. And I said, sure, absolutely. So a few days later, I went to their home, and I sat in their living room, and it was a wonderful, just 30 minutes of, our, of that time was just, it was, it was wonderful. And Mr. and Mrs. Lally said, we want to give something to you, Chris, so that you can have it in your, your bedroom. And we want you to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet prayer every single day. And so they handed me a first-degree relic 
of now St. Faustina. And so I took that home, and we now have it on our dresser by our bed. And every single night we recite the Divine Mercy Chaplet prayer. I think about that. Okay, out of the blue, I walk into church. At a Eucharistic miracle conference, I meet the wife of John Lally Sr., who then invites me to her home and then gives us a first-degree relic of St. Faustina to use, to have in our bedroom as we pray that prayer every night. So here's the question for you. You may have a story like Chris's. You may not. You know, we all have our own stories. But what is it God's calling you to do? You know, we, we some of us publish magazines, some of us host radio shows, but all of us are out there in the world. And, you know, I think about it this way. Every day that I go to school pickup and school starting up again, there are parents I know that are just working so hard for the sanctification of their children, for the catechization of their children, the evangelization of their children. Maybe it's as simple for me as saying to them, hey, how about on Tuesdays? We get to dismissal time maybe 10 minutes earlier than we normally do. We head over to the church and we pray together for our kids. Maybe that's what I'm called to do. But each and every day we need to be asking ourselves, what is it God is calling me to do to go out and share my faith with those around me? Maybe as simple as a phone call, we don't know the difference it could make. But we know this, the answer to that question, can someone else do it? is no. It's it's you and I. Chris, I want to thank you for sharing this very powerful story with us today as an inspiration for us to go out and do what you're doing, do what John did, and, and share our faith with one another. I really appreciate, Adam, the opportunity to tell my story. I, I really hope and pray that anyone that, that and everyone that's listening uh, today will recognize that, you know, you have to take responsibility. And I found, you know, back a few years ago, a very good friend of mine told me, you know, in our hearts, there's a treasure, treasure of God within our hearts. And I've always held close to that in, in meaning that, you know, all of us are good people. And sometimes we just need someone to, to, to grab us, you know, grab us by the hand and say, hey, why don't you follow me? You know, and I think that's really what our calling is, is to, to look at our friends and our neighbors and, the, and members of, other, you know, of our parish and say, hey, it's time to walk this way. And I know, God, I know that in this world today, we need more of that. Amen. Amen. Well, Chris, once again, thanks for being with us. If you live in the, uh, I guess, central metro area. Yeah, the, Clayton, the, Richmond Heights, Ledoux, Frontenac. I yeah. mean, we're even expanding into Webster, Kirkwood, De Pere. We're out in Chesterfield. We're going to, you know, it's a, it's been a wonderful experience being involved in what I do right now. Um, a 180 degree, you know, shift from, from being a doctor. Um, but I know that this is my calling. But by the end of the year, we'll hit probably 150,000 families every single month with the Word of God, and uh, I'm very, very proud of that, and I'm very grateful that God uh, gave me that opportunity. Wonderful. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned for more. A most commendable indulgenced prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, 
shower copiously thy blessings on thy holy church, on the supreme pontiff, and on all the clergy. Grant perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten infidels, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, assist the dying, liberate the souls of purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, most kind, bless us now and in death's agony. From a sudden and unprovided death, deliver us, O Lord. Once again, Monsignor John Myler is with us. Monsignor, it's good to be with you today. Well, it's good to be here today. All week long, you have been sharing reflections with us about the Blessed Mother in the course of American history. Yesterday, we talked about hardship and Mary's sorrows in time of war. I am ready to find out where you're taking us today. Well, we're going into the 1950s, huh, where there was a loud crescendo of Marian devotion. Huh? There were novenas, there were processions, there were outdoor rosary rallies, there were uh, Marian festivals and great numbers in sodalities and scapulars with shrines and grottos. Huh? This great hymn of praise to the Mother of God through the 1950s. But then came the 1960s. Many of us uh, have lived through that. There was a cultural revolution. There can be no doubt uh, in the United States and uh, in other countries. With the 60s came a great secularization and a move from religion to uh, the secular society. There was a crisis of authority uh, in the land and in the church. There was a generation gap between old and young. It was a time of war and protest and violence in the streets and assassinations. Uh, it was a rise of a radical feminism. Uh, it was a time of the collapse of many urban areas, uh, a move to the suburbs, uh, a sort of a loss of uh, the sense of community. Uh, there was a crisis in theology, in morality, in religious vocations. And what happened was Devotion to Mary, which was so loud in the 50s, by the end of the 60s, it began to disappear. Uh, public rosary rallies, gone. Uh, these great processions, gone. Uh, Marian magazines closed up shop. They were no longer. This silence about Marian piety, the great Cardinal Avery Dulles, who was an American church historian, called it a decade without Mary. A decade without Mary. He dates it about 1965 to 1975, where there's this deep silence. Uh, it's not all traceable to Vatican II, because Vatican II actually called for none of it. But when the Latin Mass became the English Mass, uh, Devotions in the evenings had been in English, huh? while Mass was in Latin. When Mass became English, uh, a certain attraction of the devotions was gone. Huh? When Mass became vernacular, 
Marian devotion lost much of its appeal. That all these factors, uh, we cannot say that there was silence about Mary because of Vatican II, because of all the things that were going on in the world contributed to the silence about Mary. Anecdotally, uh, people will say, well, there was a priest who told me, don't pray the rosary, or we shouldn't uh, have devotion to Mary because it's not ecumenical for our Protestant brothers and sisters. And that there were families who kept that devotion in their private practice in their homes. In parishes, there were numbers who retained Marian devotion, uh, small numbers in some cases. But the silence was real, the loss was real, the times were hurtful. And there would then be a need for someone to come on the scene, one who would help revive Marian devotion so that it would not completely disappear. Now, dear Pope Paul VI, saintly man, tried, but he was old. But in 1978, the great enemy of Marian silence became Pope. Uh, and uh, a strong, manly, popular, modern Marian devotion can be found in that John Paul II, who had that great M on his coat of arms that stood for Mary. So even though there was a silence, the silence began to give way so that all generations could call her blessed. I think fondly of two Latin words, totus tuus, that totus. I learned from St. John Paul II and his Marian devotion and the importance of giving ourselves fully, totally to the Blessed Mother. Monsignor, this has been another wonderful reflection this week, and we look forward to being with you again tomorrow. Invocation of the Nine Choirs of Angels O holy angels, watch over us at all times during this perilous life. O holy archangels, be our guides on the way to heaven. O heavenly choir of the principalities, govern us in soul and body. O mighty powers, preserve us against the wiles of the demons. O celestial virtues, give us strength and courage in the battle of life. O powerful dominations, obtain for us dominion over the rebellion of our flesh. O sacred thrones, grant us peace with God and man. O brilliant cherubim, illumine our minds with heavenly knowledge. O burning seraphim, enkindle in our hearts the fire of charity. Amen. We pause on this Thursday for our daily dose of encouragement, and Patty Schneier has been sharing Proverbs with us all week long. Patty, I'm excited to hear what you have for us today. Well, I grouped them according to topics. As you, If you've been following all week, we talked about work and the Proverbs that dealt with work rather than sloth. And then we talked about money and just some wise Proverbs about how we need to give God our first fruits and to tithe. Today, I want to talk about evil. There are a lot of Proverbs that deal with evil. So Proverbs 15, in chapter 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Proverbs 5, verse 21, For each man's ways are plain to the Lord's sight. All their paths he surveys. By his own iniquities the wicked man will be caught. In the meshes of his own sin, he will be held fast. He will die from lack of discipline. Through the greatness of his folly, he will be lost. 
That was Proverbs 10. In chapter 11 and 12, it deals with the nature of evil. I love this. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are brief. Here's another one. The honest man's virtue makes his way straight, but by his wickedness, the wicked man falls. Here's another one. He who seeks the good commands favor, but he who pursues evil will have evil befall him. So the bottom line of all of these is that God sees the evil. He knows it all and justice is coming for the evil. Kind of basically Proverbs tells us what goes around comes around. I love this last one. The stronghold of evil men will be demolished, but the root of the just is enduring. So when you look at the evil in the world, the crime, the violence, do not think that evil men really have the upper hand. They don't. Here's the last proverb. By his wickedness, the wicked man falls. The just man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble to ruin. Eventually, justice, love, and goodness triumph. Be consoled by that today. It's the best spoiler, knowing who wins in the end, but when the battle has eternal consequences, I'm glad to know that evil loses and God triumphs. And Patty, thank you for sharing this encouragement with us today. That beginning passage of the Baltimore Catechism is incredibly simple. Know God, love God, serve God. At the core of everything we do each and every day, we can ask ourselves those three questions. Am I, is this helping me to know God? Is this helping me to love God? Is this helping me to serve God? You know, I, I often reflect on the end of Matthew's gospel in chapter 28, the, the great commission where the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The mission of the church. And you and I are part of that mission. We're probably not going to do as, as members of the lady. It'd be very extraordinary for us to do the baptizing part of that. But the teaching and to observe all that he's commanded us, we can live that out in our daily witness. And we're called to live that out in our daily witness. But most importantly, let's remember what he said. Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. And as we were reminded on the show today, Holy Mass, the graces we receive from Holy Mass can be that wind in our sails to go out and do this, especially, most especially, the grace we receive by receiving our Lord in Holy Communion. But we have to be disposed. We have to be prepared for that. So if you need to go to confession, don't hesitate. Go to confession. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I, th I think of that, often that reminder that I share with you on the show, to go to confession. It, it's like saying we, we could have these showers of graces pouring upon us, but we're just choosing not to open the spigot. No, let's, let's let God shower his grace upon us. Let's do everything we can to be in a state of grace today. For Covenant Network, I am Adam Wright. 
Thank you for listening. And as the Blessed Mother would remind you, pray your rosary today.